In this episode of the Renovation Radio Podcast, we talk to none other than Dan Irvin. Dan is a nationally renowned and powerful public speaker, and he currently runs the sales team at Level One Bank in Michigan. We talk all things sales and focus on two of Dan's core sales principles. Number one, we talk about what you as a salesperson control, and more importantly, we talk about how not to say no for the customer. So get ready, folks. This is a great one, and it's a great day to be alive at Renovation Radio. All right, Dan Irvin, welcome to Renovation Radio. All right. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Good deal. How uh, how are you feeling today? Oh, I'm feeling great. As you would say, it's great to be alive. That's right. That's right. It never changes around here. It's always a great day to be alive. Absolutely. We'll uh, we'll give. Let's uh, let's start off by uh, just talking about you for a second. Give our our listeners uh, a little bit of an introduction. You know, tell us how you got into uh, the mortgage business. How'd you meet your wife, family? You could tell us a little bit, a little bit about you. <laughs> well, there's a lot there. Uh, yeah. So. Um, Got into the business uh, when my uh, family and I started a family business way back in 1993 to uh, create software technology for the residential real estate industry. So we built it on a home equity line on my parents' home. So the ultimate entrepreneurial uh, craziness. And I went around the country for 10 years presenting and selling these products uh, to real estate sales organizations and uh, ended up selling that company to ABN Amaral Bank on the wholesale side of the world and spent several years uh, going around the country calling on real estate brokers with our wholesale account executives. Uh, and uh, it was uh, it was it was not long after uh, Interfirst had uh, taken our comp- our family business and that the, that business was acquired by City. So uh, that was that was pretty amazing going from a little 15 person family business uh, to the largest financial institution in the world over a 10 year period. So definitely the two extremes of of seeing how businesses are run. Uh, when City eventually kind of uh, shut things down due to uh, 2008, 2009, uh, we regrouped as some of the people who had started ABN Amaro's Wholesale Group uh, and, uh, and decided to start a, a national wholesale mortgage business, building it right into kind of the teeth of the whole, uh, you know, the financial crisis. So uh, we found a bank uh, about as crazy as we were who'd be willing to dive into that business when so many others were leaving. And we we built a very successful company, uh, national wholesale entity called MB Financial Mortgage uh, from, on behalf of this MB Financial Bank. And uh, that bank ended up selling eventually to uh, Fifth Third Bank. And uh, it was at that time where I decided after you know, 25 years on airplanes, uh, that I wanted to uh, to begin to uh, stay at home a little more and see my children grow up. So you asked about my wife. Yeah, my wife Lori and I've been married over twenty years. Nice. Uh, yep, she's uh, she's the heart of our house, continues to be, and uh, is forever patient with me. We have three kids: a sophomore at University of Michigan and a senior in high school near us here in the Detroit area, and uh, a sophomore. So two boys, and then our youngest is is our daughter L. So now I am uh, running the mortgage group for a, uh, a wonderful Michigan-based bank here called Level One Bank. And our focus is retail and being really good in the markets that we serve here. I have a great sales team I've known for a lot of years. And we lend all over the country, uh, obviously, with our focus being here in Michigan on behalf of this uh, this very entrepreneurial bank. So 
it's kind of where I've, I've come to and uh, learned a heck of a lot about sales from much better salespeople than me over, over a lot of years. And uh, hopefully some of those lessons have stuck and, and learned a lot through uh, through going out and trying and, and sometimes winning and sometimes losing and trying to learn from from both of those uh, those experiences. So that's why I'm here today. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's pretty typical for us in housing finance. You know, there's uh it's rare that you spend your entire career with one company, but you always take away and learn stuff from the people that acquire you or that you acquire and um, pretty, uh, pretty normal. It's, that's awesome. And you, and you sound like me. I, I always say, yeah, my wife, my wife has a much tougher job than I do, um, but she doesn't get paid for it. You know, running, 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 running the household. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't think I would trade with her uh, and she knows that. So uh, yeah, yeah, there's leverage there. <laughs> no, no doubt. No doubt, no doubt. So uh, you may, you, you may or may it was probably more impactful on me than on you. But you, you may or may not recall how you and I met. And do you remember how, how or when you and I met? Uh, yeah, actually, we spoke when you were uh, at Amerisafe way back when, right? And I think I was introduced to you by Tim Bell. That's right. That's right. So I was actually, actually, it was a little more dramatic for me. I was. We we had met. It was it was day one of a job search for me. I found myself on the outside looking in um, in two thousand. As you mentioned, uh, right, right around two thousand is actually two thousand nine, and uh, I, I I needed a job, and I had two people on my first day of, of a new job search tell me, "Hey, you need to call Dan Irvin. He's got something going on. You need to find out what he's what he's doing." So I had Tim Bell and another another, another guy uh, both told me to give you a call. So. Uh, so I so I I called you. We we talked. We had never met in person, and uh, we had some some very uh, some as as you do in this business. We had some a lot of folks in common that, that knew both of us, and uh, and you hired me. Uh, you hired me sight unseen uh, to, open, <laughs> to open up open up the South for your new endeavor there. Yeah, well, you're you're a good salesman. That didn't take me long to figure that. Out. <laughs> Yeah. But maybe you did or didn't know. We, 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 the job was to you know call on mortgage brokers in the South, and I had never done that before. So, uh, um, but uh, I uh, certainly will always appreciate that because at the time I, I needed a job for sure. Yeah, well, uh, that was that was definitely uh, something I'll always look back on and be very thankful for because uh, you know you certainly brought a heck of a lot to the table to us then, not just. In, and how you went out to the market with such great ferocity and built a, an incredible pipeline and client base, but the cultural ad, uh, your energy, your enthusiasm, your positivity was something that, as you know, we wanted to put on display as often as possible at our sales meeting. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a, a really a win-win. No, for sure, it was it was a great run. We had we had a great run there. So, something else you may or may, may, may not remember, we pretty early on. Um, in my tenure there with with you working for you, uh, we had a, a sales meeting. It wasn't it wasn't a uh, we didn't have a huge sales force at the time, but we did it in the dead of winter in uh, Ann Arbor. It wasn't Ann Arbor. It was outside of Ann Arbor, Michigan, um, in a in a basement of uh, of something, some kind of build. It was I guess it was a building. You'll call it the Lawnmower Factory or something. Yeah, a lawnmower repair a, shop. It was a former lawnmower repair shop. Yeah. <laughs> So, so that wasn't urban legend. That was actually a lot more. That, that was true. Yeah. Talk about humble beginnings. <laughs> yeah. Lawn, lawnmower repair shop. Okay. So I, I never knew that that, that was actually, <laughs> it actually was that, or it had another meeting that I, I, I didn't know about. Um, <laughs> so, 
So at the at the end of the, it was, it was a good, very good. And actually, you over the years ran some incredible sales meetings for us, um, just uh, chock full of uh, wisdom and, and and knowledge. And and we'll cover a couple of those things in in a in a bit, in a bit here. But at the end of that meeting, um, you and I had I think at our first one on one meeting. And you you may again may or may, or may it was very impressionable on me upon me, but um, but you, uh, you you we sat down in your office and you closed the door. And uh, you had a, a list of things. I think you gave me a list of things um, to review. And uh, the title of it was What You Control. <laughs> and uh, so we, we sat there and, and painfully for me, uh, we went through every single one of those. And uh, after each one, you, you, I mean, you're looking at me right in the eyes. I kept uh, looking around the room to see if anybody was behind me or anybody else was, was there. And it was, uh, it was really intense. It was really good. But um, I know that's one of your passions in terms of your sales leadership, sales motivation, um, wisdom. But uh, t- give us uh, give us a little bit, a little taste of uh, of what you controlled by, by Dan Urban. Uh, I'm I'm a, just a believer that uh, in in the sales portion of your life, if you choose this crazy occupation, you got to try to be really clear with uh, with those you lead. If you're in a leadership role. And you got to be equally clear with yourself uh, if you're going to go out and run your own business, which is essentially what you do in sales, uh, clear about your goals, your objectives and your expectations of those you lead in and of yourself. So one of the, the, the probably the best lessons I learned from being a part of these other companies was that there is so much of your, your business, your day, your uh, your challenges that that you have absolutely no control over, yet it's the things you don't control that can frankly consume you, consume your your emotions, your frustrations, your energy, your time. And that if you can't set those aside and, and instead just try to be really, really good at the things that you do control, then, uh, then, then you know, that that's going to make the difference between those who succeed and fail. So uh, even today, I have I have very veteran, successful salespeople that are on this team here. And uh, and the conversation still still persists, even when I when I work with these folks and that is, well, OK, I understand you. You've got a frustration, a concern. Do you control it? Is there anything you can do that's going to impact that that thing that you're you're frustrated with, because if there's not, then as frustrating as it is, we got to find a way to get it, get on it, get 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 on with it, and get over it, uh, because you can't do anything about it. Let's focus on what you can control, uh, that can provide you much more benefit uh, than than fretting over the things you don't. So it's it's one of those things that I've also learned is a heck of a lot easier to talk about, and it's easier in theory than it is in practice. We're all human. We're emotional. We're frail in that regard. And yeah, we, we all have, have have challenging days. But what I eventually did was I just put together a list that I, I've really tried to practice my whole career. And it's the same list that I frankly put in front of you, Mark, <laughs> uh, that the, the list was just called, what do you control? And it's, you know, it's eight or 10 things that I, I still keep on my wall today. And it's wow. this list of things that I look at and ask myself, you know, at the beginning of the day, at the end of the day, hopefully both the beginning and end, but at least once a day, look at it and just do a quick run through on the list. How good of a job am I doing at these items that I am 100% in control of? Um, so that's kind of where it came from. And, uh, you know, when we were the family business and we were underfunded, I couldn't I couldn't control the fact that we had very, very limited resources day in, day out. And, you know, how was I going to find a way to sell without a million dollar marketing budget, you know, and and all the other things that go into that. 
uh, you know, or a, an IT staff of 50 people who could fix things on the fly and upgrade as you went. You know, we had one guy. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, and then when I was at City, you know, I, I couldn't control just how clunky their processes were and and how, you know, how to, out of touch their technology was, uh, you know, versus the needs of our clients. So, you know, those were the things I learned in the smallest and the biggest companies. And, uh, and what I found, whether I was in the smallest or the biggest company, is that by practicing these eight or 10 bullets on my wall, things I do control, it didn't matter where I was. It didn't matter what the market had going on, who the company was. Um, what mattered was that if I put those things in play, I was going to be successful no matter where I was. And uh, so that's, you know, that that's kind of the idea behind it. And, you know, as you know, over the years, I actually started doing a decent amount of speaking about it, just talking to customers of ours and our own salespeople and, you know, kind of flourished into uh, to opportunities to speak actually in other industries, to other organizations. Uh, and uh, what I found, again, was that surprisingly enough, uh, with very little tweaking, the messages continue to apply. And now it's been, you know, it's been 20 years since I first, you know, really kind of put these things into play in a big way. Um Yet they still continue to to be effective, at least for me. No, they're they're absolutely uh, universal, and uh, ultimately in sales, I mean, you, you you've got to own it. I mean, you know, you, you can you can, and of course, easy, some days easier said than done. Um, but the, the 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 minute you own it, that's the minute it starts getting better. No yeah. matter what, no matter what it is. So I uh, I couldn't remember eight. Um, I don't have a, my, my brain. So I had to whittle it down to two. I, I just, I just picked effort and attitude. Mm-hmm. So those, those are the two that, uh, that I focused on and the rest usually takes, seems to take care of themselves. Yeah. Well, um, I know one of those items, I think you, you, uh, that you, you really do, do a great job with that you wanted to talk a little bit about is, uh, yeah, the thought of don't say no for the customer. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I, uh, and this is, I'll just share. I mean, and that was something that you harped on for years. I mean, like you, you would say that all the time, you know, and on our, on our, on our, in our meetings on, over the phone in person, conference calls, whatever. And I, the first probably half dozen times I heard you say that I'm like, what well, does he think we're a bunch of idiots? I mean, I, I, I would never actually say no for the customer. I would, I would never do that. <laughs> what is he talking about? And, uh, and then one day, I was out in the field and, you know, getting towards the end of the day and I was going into a shop that it was, that was not, uh, not using us and, you know, driving over to their parking lot. I started thinking about like all the, all the reasons they're going to tell me to get out of their office and why they don't want to use us and why they love who they're using and on and on and on. And it finally hit me. I'm like, that is what Dan's talking about. He's saying, I'm, I'm sitting there trying to say, I'm like, Hey, if I, if I turn right, instead of turn left, I'll get home 20 minutes earlier. And uh, can can see the kids before they go to soccer practice or whatever, whatever. You know, just get you know, just get at get. And I was making up reasons not to go there, and it hit me finally. You know, again, I'm I'm a little slow from the south, so it takes a little it takes a little while. And uh, so, of course, I I went in there, didn't get any business, but still, I I learned a valuable lesson. And this is what Dan has been talking about all this time about saying no for the customer. So, I mean, there's always something, right? I mean, there's you don't have the right pricing. You don't have the right products. You don't have the right. You mentioned it, the right the right tech. Um, you can always think of something that may not be just right, um, and talk yourself out of out of making a sales call, out of asking for the business, out of anything really. Um, so that, that's again, that, that was an incredible lesson. So give us give us give us your take on on don't say no for the customer. 
Yeah. Well, to me, I think that um, the, the single most damaging thing you can ever do in your life as a salesperson uh, is the one thing that every salesperson I've ever met, including me, is guilty of. So what I'm saying is, yes, that every salesperson I know, including me, is absolutely guilty of doing the single most damaging, dangerous, destructive thing you can ever do to your business. And that is saying no for the customer. And frankly, it's a tragedy because uh, talk about what we control. So it's you know kind of the example you used of not going on to, into that office. Because you say, well, nobody's going to be there or my price is out of market this week or we don't have that new product or enhancement that my competitors have. So so because of that, I'm not even going to ask. We talk in sales about the ABCs always be closing, right? Make the customer say no. Uh, all those great, you know, rah, rah things that we say in sales. Uh, and, and then and then when it matters most. Uh, we do the most dangerous thing you can ever do. And that is we don't even ask for the business. We don't make the customer say no. Instead, we say no without ever even asking. And that's a tragedy. And that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about it's that that email that I know that has to be sent, but I just figure, well, it's just going to be one of another hundred coming across their desk and they don't care and they're going to delete it. Uh, it's it's that, that it's that customer that told me they were interested, but they weren't going to be interested really strongly for another few months. So instead of showing up at their door three months from today, ready to do business, they slip through the cracks because I go after the next lowest hang fruit. The client is ready, willing and able to make a decision today. And I never circle back. Uh, you know, it's it's the people who are the best at pointing out what's broken. Those are the people who do an amazing job because they can give you 10 different reasons why they're not going to go out and try and feel validated in not trying. That's a tragedy. So, I don't, you know, it's it's the girl in high school uh, that, that you didn't go up and ask to dance because she was so freaking beautiful and everyone else was so in love with her that you just couldn't possibly imagine that she would dance with you. So instead of trying and risking the ultimate humiliation of being told no, Instead, we just said no for her. And who knows, maybe she was in love with you, but you'll never know because you said no for the customer. So this goes on all over the place. And Mark, when you say you heard me say it sometimes and you're like, what the heck is he talking about? It's because, you know, it happens a lot of times, you know, it can be, it's so ingrained, <laughs> it's so ingrained that I say it, you know, I'll be driving down the road with my family in the car and I'll say, Hey, why don't we go eat at that place? And my wife, my wife will say, we're not going there. It's terrible. And I'll say, well, how many times you've eaten there? And she say, well, I never have, but one of my friends went once and said it was bad. And I said, well, you're saying no for the customer. It's true. It's true. <laughs> I, I mean, think it, it crosses all boundaries. It does. It comes in all, all, uh, all types of flavors for sure. But again, kind of, kind of like you know what you, what you control. And sometimes it's easier said than done. It's it's easier, um, it's easier to to you know, and you, and you don't even realize you're doing it when you actually do it. Um, yeah. Even and even when you make, even when you have the guts, you know, to get past that, get get past the noise, and you make that extra sales call, and you're in there. Um, you may, maybe, maybe you're still on defense a little bit and, uh, an, an objection comes your way and you're not prepared for it or whatever. And you, and, and you, and you do it, you know, in, in the, in the middle of the, of the, of the court on the arena. And, yeah. uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, a it's a, it's a, it's a tough thing to overcome sometimes, you know, for sure. Um, but I think having, having a sales leader 
around that's that's harping on you like like you always always putting those planting those seeds in the back of your mind certainly certainly helps i think you know we and you mentioned the the rah rah of sales and there definitely is a time you know for the rah rah a time to shine sure, but, uh, but but most of it most of it though is is a process you know it's 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 it, it really truly is a process and it's something that you gotta it's a craft that you've got to practice and, and get better at it and Talking about stuff like this, you know, as, as, as much as you can, I think is, is, is a big part of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, we uh, we covered some some pretty important topics. You know, what you control. You know, your version is seven or eight items. My version is is two. You know, effort and attitude. Um, you know, we, we can we can we can beg to differ on those. And then, of course, I think we're both on the same page as far as uh, saying no for the customer. You know, it's uh, it's something that we all we're all guilty of. And uh, the minute you own that, the fact that you do do it and may do it again in the future, this just the minute the minute you do that, the is probably the first step you know, towards uh, towards getting better. Which yeah. is uh, yeah, and I'll, I'll tell you just another co- a couple of things for you, Mark. That I know you remember, but other bullets on the list are uh, the daily victory. Oh yeah, uh, do, doing the worst first. Uh, you know, following up forever. Uh, and leading that that is this is an occupation in which leadership is mandatory, regardless of what the title on your business card is. And uh, if you don't see yourself as a leader when you're in sales, then uh, um, you're going to find it much more challenging than it needs to be. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So the worst do the worst first came from from your mom, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yep. It's a Nancy Irvin original. I love yep. it. I love yep. it. And then and then the follow up forever. I mean, that that really is. I mean, that's, that's, I think that's something that everybody understands and you, and, you, and it's not personal. You, you just got to do it. I mean, it's, you know, they, they may ignore you for, for months and years and, you know, pick, pick a number, right. And however many times, I mean, different types of follow-up email, text, LinkedIn message, phone call, voice message, stopping off in their office, you know, they're going to, but you got to do it forever. That's, that's, that you have no other choice. You've got to yeah. do it forever. It's the biggest differentiator, I believe, in sales is he who he or she who follows up the best wins every time. It is the the best salespeople. It is their single largest differentiator. Yep. Follow up forever. I love it. Yeah. Well, those are uh those are awesome. Well, hey, I, I certainly appreciate you blocking out some time to hang out with us on Renovation Radio and give us some of your uh some of your sales wisdom. So tell us tell us a little bit more about you. How so you mentioned that you're with Level One Bank. You mentioned that you do some uh, some speaking engagements. How can how can folks uh, find you? Yeah, good. Well, um, I am. Yeah, I'm very much involved. I, I lead the sales organization here at Level One Bank, and uh, uh, again, a, a great, a great, very, uh, very entrepreneurial bank. Which you don't often hear those two words come together often. Right, right. Uh, but this is a very entrepreneurial bank. In fact, every every member of our board of directors is an entrepreneur, and that was that was very intentional. So. Uh, uh, yeah, just it's the most fun I've had in, in quite some time in this business. And uh, uh, one of the things that I also made certain when I came here is that I want to also originate loans. I want to see it from the very front line and feel what our customers feel and be able to see what it's like to to manage the, the end client experience uh, through good and bad. So I haven't done that in a long, long time. And it's one of the best things I've done. It's the most fun I'm, I'm, I've had in a long time. So uh, I still do some speaking. I love it. I have a lot of fun with it. Uh, my website is danerventalks.com. It's D-A-N-E-R-V-I-N talks.com. And uh, some videos on there, like some of the topics we talked about today, among others. And uh, 
Yeah. So staying busy and having, having a ton of fun doing it, my friend. Well, that's awesome. Well, thanks again for, uh, for uh, taking some time out and it's definitely a, a, a great day to be alive. <laughs> yeah, you got it, man. Thank you so much. And uh, ho- hopefully see you again real soon on the road. Let's talk soon. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Radio Podcast. Please help the show by following us and rating us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please help us spread the word by sharing our podcast on your social media. The views, information, and opinions expressed on Renovation Radio are solely those of the individuals involved. Renovation Radio, because we're all a work in progress.